If you have your Bibles, Matthew 18, verse 21, great. Would you stand with me and let's read this passage together. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold, and his wife and his children and all that they had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. And he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant, servant saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported the, to, to their master uh, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Would you pray with me? Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I know that it is your will that we would be like you, and that is forgiving. No doubt there are people on our minds this morning that have done us wrong as well. May by your grace and by your power, we forgive them, and we need it. We need your power uh, to forgive, and to forgive the way that you commanded us to. Help us in this service, Lord, not only to hear your word, but to be doers of your word. We're reminded Today when we come to a text like this of our own sin, our trespasses against you, thank you that you do forgive us. And if we confess, we are cleansed. And do, we do, Lord, today confess that there are sins we've committed even this week that, God, we have to bring, we have to bring up because they're wrong and we have to turn from them. We thank you that, God, you're faithful to us. You're faithful in us, and you're patient with us. Lord, I thank you today that you will speak to our hearts by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Unforgiveness is a quagmire. It's an emotional quicksand. And there are marriages here that are stuck where they are because of unforgiveness. Families that have been frayed. Friendships that are broken and have not been restored. Why this message this morning? Well, we've been in this theme, God loves, you are loved by God. And probably one of the ways in which we see God's love demonstrated in such a special way is in 
forgiveness. God is a merciful God. And while we deserve death and hell, He mercifully is willing to forgive. Our God is not fair. And occasionally someone will say, I just, I think God's unfair. And I would agree with them. God is not fair. He's merciful. If He were fair, we wouldn't receive what we justly deserve. To kind of light it up for a moment, I tell you a story of an honest artist who was commissioned to paint a very famous man's portrait. The man sat for days to have his portrait painted, and at the end of the sitting, and the portrait was completed, it was ready to be unveiled. The man looked at it first, and then after looking at the portrait, looked at the artist and said, this portrait does not do me justice. The honest artist looked at the man and said, sir, you don't need justice, you need mercy. I think that's the way I see some of the pictures that I uh, have on phones taken of me. I I need some help. The reality is we all are grateful that we receive mercy from others, but God is the one who is so faithful in His forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is simply the act of setting someone free from an offense. Uh, Someone put it this way, forgiveness is freeing someone from a debt to you that is a result of wrong done to you. I know already in this short amount of time, people have surfaced in your mind. Those who have harmed you, hurt you, done you wrong, and you wonder, have I actually forgiven them? Have you released them? What has the Lord Jesus Christ done for us? The Apostle Paul says, we were dead and trespasses, uncircumcised in our flesh, but God made us alive together by forgiving our trespasses. God, in Jesus Christ, forgave us of our wrongs committed against Him. How? By canceling the record of debt, the Bible says, that stood against us with its legal demands. Legally, We were committed to hell, but Jesus took our sin, nailed it to the cross, is what the Scripture says, and disarmed authorities who had any accusation against us. In His mercy, He forgave us the debt we owed Him. During the summer, I enjoyed amassing a reading list and reading books of all types, historical books, theological books, fiction, mostly historical fiction, not uh, not just fiction, I typically don't read those, but I was given a book, it wasn't on my list by my son, and it's a book uh, written by an author who served in a couple of the three-letter agencies in our government, and when he first started with the FBI, he was taught how to do negotiations with hostage takers. He showed up on the scene in his first hostage situation, it was a bank in New York City, where uh, bank robbers went into the bank and had not planned on taking hostages. But when things went south, that's what they did. And so here he was in his first negotiation. But he says in the book, that negotiation, like all negotiations, are pretty much the same. You find out what the person on the other line wants and try to meet those demands to the best of your ability so that there can be some sort of peaceful resolution. It was in this first negotiation that finally the calmest of the bank robbers got on the phone with this negotiator and said, I just want a car and a plane out of the country. 
And the man said, I'm going to give you what you need as long as nobody gets hurt. Finally, not giving in to the, the demands, talked these bank robbers out of the bank without anyone being hurt. Pretty interesting story. But here was his point. His point was that the man thought somehow he could negotiate his way out of that bank and get a car and escape jail. I think that's exactly what it's like when we hold someone hostage by not forgiving them of the wrong they've done to us. And we say with our demands, if you will make it up to me, if you will prove yourself to me, or if you will do such and such, then I'll forgive you, thinking that we can have our demands met without going to jail. But unforgiveness is a jail. It's a prison. At the end of Jesus' story, he tells us that the man who was unforgiving was actually incarcerated in a debtor's prison. And everyone who's unforgiving will find themselves in a debtor's prison. It will not be the way of freedom. It will be the way of bondage. So why this message? Why this message? Because there's not one of us in here who's escaped life unhurt. You've been rejected somewhere along the way. You've been wounded. You have scars that seem to be healed, but every once in a while they surface and they ache and they hurt and the scar tissue is still there. You have left home and you were glad to leave home. You said, I'll never come back and you've not been back. You broke up. You've been divorced. You've been in abusive relationships. You have been in a job where you've been done wrong. There have been promises made that weren't kept. There have been things taken from you. Every one of us in here could say, yes, I have hurts. How do you deal with these hurts? I saw a for sale article where a woman was selling her brand new wedding dress. Brand new. She wasn't able to use it because her fiance bailed before the wedding. In the article, she said, for sale, one brand new wedding dress will consider trades for a 357 Magnum. So I, I'm, not, I'm not unforgiving. I'm not a bitter person, but it shows up and you don't even know it sometimes. It's a scar you think is healed, but then it comes back. It's when you're around that person that has done you wrong. You say, I, I'm just, I don't want to be around them. I'm not going to be around them. Or it's somebody who reminds you of that person. It's a particular personality type that you just can't stand. I just can't stand that personality type because the person who hurt you has that personality type. When I was a young pastor, I inherited a problem. I was 21 years old. I had a gentleman that was in our ministry that had been in ministry himself and while in ministry had made some terrible choices. As a result, not able to be in ministry any longer. I was told... You need to tell this man he cannot do A, B, and C because of what he'd done in the past. Now, at 21 years of age, I just, I was a gunslinger. I was ready to do whatever anyone wanted me to do. I was ready to pick a fight. Yeah, I'll handle this. Looking back, I should not have been the one who handled it. I didn't know the situation. I wasn't there when it happened, and it was being passed down on me. But I did ask this man to step away from what he was doing, and then the man looked at me. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I hope one day you experience what I'm experiencing right now in a huff and left. And I thought, really? You want me to experience what you've experienced? But then just this past 
week and a half, I was thinking about something that had been done to me, and I thought in my own spirit, I'm going to be vindicated one day, and they're going to find out exactly what it's like. Didn't think much of it for about a few days in the Holy Spirit. You know how the Holy Spirit works in your heart? What kind of attitude is that? That is an unforgiving spirit. And so in my heart, I said, Lord, forgive me. How how in the world could I not forgive that person? I didn't go to that person. They don't know anything about it. It's just between me and the Lord. It's just, and y'all now, but you don't know what it's about. Y'all won't repeat this, will you? Can y'all keep a secret? This is a hard issue. This is a hard issue. Because there's times where I, I can't actually go to someone and shouldn't go to someone because they don't even know about what the issue is. But it's a hard issue. Jesus said this in the story the, the man did not forgive in his heart. It was a heart issue. I want us to just look at this, and this is more pastoral this morning than anything, as I'm wrapping up this series on, on you are loved by God, to think about the love of God. Charles Stanley was preaching a sermon on forgiveness, and he told this story, and it's one of these stories that will stick with you, about a little boy that had the responsibility, it was his chore, every day to go upstairs and feed his grandfather. His grandfather was a paraplegic. He was in a wheelchair and every day, this was the job of the little boy, and he did it every day. He said, it was such a mess, having to clean up uh, after my grandfather. And finally, when he was a little bit older, old enough to talk back to his mother, he did this. His mom said, take this food up to your grandfather. And the little boy, now more of a teenager, said, mom, you feed him. And she began to cry. What's wrong, mom? She sat down, and he sat down, and he said, she said to him, you know, the story of our house catching on fire when you were small. You don't know the rest of the story. You can probably imagine where this is going. You were inside that house and you would have lost your life had it not been for the fact that your grandfather was visiting in the absence of your father, ran into the burning house, took you in his arms, ran out of the house and saved your life, but sustained this life changing injury that now rendered him a paraplegic in a wheelchair. The boy grabbed the food and with a whole other attitude went up those stairs and never questioned that chore again. He said, I get it. Well, we do get it, but sometimes when we are commanded to forgive by God, all the times maybe, we may not feel like forgiving. Our attitude is like, I don't, I don't have an attitude of forgiveness. My heart attitude is not right, so what do I do? You forgive. Look at the text. We forgive because we've been commanded to forgive. I mean, Peter comes to Jesus and he asks this, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And that's what Jesus says. I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. What Jesus is saying is there's an incalculable number here. It doesn't matter how long you've been sinned against or how many times you forgive. The command is to forgive. Peter was attempting to be very generous with his forgiveness, wasn't he? I mean, seven times, man. How many times do I have to forgive that cat at work? How many times do I have to forgive her? 
How many times do I have to give, forgive my spouse? Are you ever in that situation? Oh, here we go again. How many times, Lord? And look what Jesus says. If you don't forgive the eighth time, you become the loser. And the ninth time, and the tenth time, and the eleventh, there is never a time when you can say, I will not forgive. You say, well, I just don't feel like forgiving. I just don't think I have an enemy to forgive. That's true. But let's just think about what God's done for us. And the story of God's forgiveness. You go in the back to the Old Testament, to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was telling the the Israelites there, that they had been part of a group of, of people. They, they'd been fathered by men and women who acted presumptuously, is the way Nehemiah said. They, they stiffened their neck. That is, they were rebellious, and they would not obey the commandments of God. While they were in the desert, they were not mindful of the wonders performed among them. They appointed a leader to turn them back to the slavery of Egypt. But here's what Nehemiah says. You are a God, God, you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Isaiah the prophet tells us that God says this, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I won't remember your sins. Amazing. The prophet Micah towards the end of his prophecy, said, Who's like you, God, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? God does not retain his anger forever because he delights in his steadfast love. He will have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities under his foot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Think about David, who committed such sin against God, murder and adultery. David said, I acknowledged my sin to you, God. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We read how that David talked about his life just coming apart, his bones aching, him just being in a terrible state because for a year he had hidden his sin. He carried it, much like the Pilgrim's Progress Christian with a backpack of sin all around, not taking it off and carrying that burden. But when he finally confessed his sin and received the forgiveness of God, he was free. That's what God does for us. Hey, have you been forgiven by God? We carry a weight of sin that is bigger than we could ever imagine, and yet God is willing to forgive. James says if we keep the whole law but fail at one point, we become guilty of all of the law. We can look around us and we can say, man, look at this world. It is a wreck. It is a mess. Just read Romans 1. Romans 1 tells the story of what's going on in our world, and that is exactly right. But then Paul would say, but don't forget Romans 3. Because there it says, there's none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside together and have become worthless. None does good, not even one. But thank God, Romans 4 follows Romans 3. 
Jesus, our Lord, was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Romans chapter 5, but God shows his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, that is to be right with God, by his blood, much more we will be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more now we are reconciled and we shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have reconciliation. We were once far from God in our sins, in our trespasses, in our iniquities, and God made us right and reconciled us to himself. It's in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is with his disciples. He'd been with some disciples in a room telling them the story of his life. They didn't know who he was, but then their eyes were opened and their hearts were burning within them as he talked about his, his life from prophecy. And then he gathers his disciples together and he says, it is written that Christ should suffer and be raised on the third day. And there the, listen, it's the repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You know what we have? We have the ministry of reconciliation. To say to others that there is a God who will forgive your sins. He has forgiven my sins. He's forgiven every one of my sins. And he can forgive your sins as well. No wonder Christianity is the only religion. If you, if you compare it to others, and maybe you've taken classes in school, looking at comparative religions to see how that most religions just deal away with sin. Or do away with it. The, the Islamic God, Allah, is not a forgiving God. He's a tyrant God, isn't he? That's how he's represented. Who deals in fear, not forgiveness. Most religions, especially Eastern religions, deal not with sin. You're not really a sinner. That You live above it and you can live above it by following certain steps or being involved in certain meditations or through hypnosis, overcome your difficulties. It's only Christianity that says, no, we are a wreck. We are wretches. We are sinners. But a loving, gracious, merciful God will forgive your sin. No wonder Satan is on a rampage right now and a campaign to erase sin. What is sin anyway? If there's no sin, there's no guilt. If there's no guilt, no need for forgiveness. However, we're smarter than that because we've been given a conscience by God and that's why we can claim that. And that conscience tells us that we're sinners. Therefore, we do carry a guilt. So what are we going to do with that? I'll give you an example. I was, we were on vacation last week and it was great to be away. A couple of times I got to share Jesus with some people and on one occasion I met a guy from another state and uh, he says, where are you from? I'm from Florida. We're vacationing in Florida. We're Vanilla like that. And uh, just kidding. We, we were in Florida. He goes, you're from Florida. How long have you lived in Florida? All my life. Oh, I never met. He said, I never met uh, a native Floridian. He says, well, enjoy it. Enjoy Florida while you can. I didn't know what he meant. I thought maybe he meant, what, lots of people moving here? I, what do you mean? I said, sir, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you know, uh, the, the climate's warming up. It's 2023 and Florida won't be here much longer. Well, thanks for that information. I really appreciate that. 
Well, I knew where he was going. You know where he was going too. And in that moment, I could have become a, a Fox News commentator and I could argue climate change with him and I could ask him, hey man, you really think that we as humans have the ability to turn the thermostat down? Like we all get that it's changing. It changes all the time. I could have went all kinds of directions. I got all kinds of arguments. I got all kinds of ideas. I mean, I could have went on and won a battle. But it's not about that. The reality is this world is messed up. And there are natural disasters, and there are the judgments of God that come on the world as well, and it's all because of one reason, sin, not carbon emissions, sin. When we don't take care of the environment, sin. The reason everything is corrupt, sin. So that's where I went with the guy. Like, hey, man, whatever it is, I'm not going to argue. I don't want to try to change the guy to my ideology. I just want him to know that he can be saved and he can be forgiven for his sin. And what's beautiful about that conversation is that I have very seldom had anyone argue with me that they're a sinner. Immediately, the conversation begins to go around that subject. As this man who's not even a believer, doesn't go to church, realizes I'm talking about sin. He's owning his own sin. You know why? We all know we're sinners. And we all need forgiveness. And God is a God of forgiveness. How how much have you been forgiven for? Think about Peter's question. It seemed really good. Like, like, have you ever have you ever been around people and they find out you're a Christian and they begin to change their language? I think this is kind of Peter. I'm gonna impress Jesus. Hey Jesus. How how many times, you know, I, I got this guy, he's really bothering me. Seven times? What a ridiculous question. I mean, I asked the question. I've asked it. How many times have I got to deal with this? And Jesus said, 77 times? He's not just giving us that number. He's telling us that you constantly forgive. We've been forgiven much. Think about what you've been forgiven. Bad attitudes. Maybe you've been, you've been forgiven of adultery, abuse, assault, abortion. I could go through the alphabet. I'm just an A and I keep on going. What have you been forgiven for? No wonder Paul says we are to be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That is merciful, forgiving one another. He could have stopped right there and said, okay, that's it. Forgive one another. But he said it this way, as God in Christ has forgiven you. I can't forgive, but you've been forgiven. And so therefore you can. You have had mercy. So therefore you can show mercy and I can as well. And when you're not a forgiving person, prayers die on your lips and your spirit begins to be stuck and you are stuck in your spiritual growth and not able to enjoy the work and ministry of the Lord. I mean, spiritual growth is stunted when unforgiveness is present in our hearts. And we all deal with it, don't we? So Jesus says, forgive. He commands, but he also commands that we forgive because much has been forgiven. And he tells this story. Look in verse 22. Let's just rehearse this story again because it's really, really cutting, isn't it? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And then therefore, therefore on what I just said, think about this, Peter, think about this disciples, think about this Hibernia, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. And he began to settle. One was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents, millions of dollars. 
Way more than this man could ever pay. Verse 25, could not pay his master. This is not God. This is just a story. So in this story, what does this guy do? Well, you can't pay me. I'll get what I can out of you. I'll sell you into slavery and your family. At least have a little bit of my investment in return. Man pleads with him, right? Verse 26, gets on his knees, implores, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. But then the master does this. Pretty amazing. Really merciful. Instead of getting anything, he gets nothing, and he says, here, I forgive you your debt. Now, it cost the master, didn't it? It cost the master. This wasn't free. Forgiveness never is. When God forgave us, it wasn't free. The debt had to be paid, and Jesus came and paid it. But the master absorbed the cost, and he forgave this servant. And Jesus tells this story. Could you imagine people hearing this story? They're like, this, not, this does not happen. Who does this? Who forgives that amount of money? Verse 28, but when that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, it's about $17. This guy owes him about 17 bucks. Chokes him out. You better pay me what you owe me. And the guy says, I can't pay. And he throws him into jail. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place. They were greatly distressed. I think that is a great word there, isn't it? Why wouldn't they be? And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you of all that debt because you pleaded with me. This, this is an amazing thought that this forgiveness this man gave him was much greater than the forgiveness this man had to give. And it is true of us. What are we called to forgive that is greater than what we have been forgiven of? I mean, when we are hurt, it's real, and someone certainly owes us a debt, and our hurts are not insignificant, but they do become much more insignificant when we compare what we've done to our Lord and what He's forgiven us of. We're in need of forgiveness. We don't... There's a song probably, I think everyone knows, I think even people outside the church know it pretty well. It's the song, It Is Well. It is well with my soul. Y'all know that song? If you've been to a funeral, you've probably heard it. Even I've been to secular where people aren't believers, funerals, and, and they had this song played. It is well with my soul. You know the story behind it? There's a lot to this story, but the initial part of this story is that Horatio Spafford had sent his three daughters to England in front of he and his wife. They were going to join him later. And while they were on a ship on their way to England from America, they sank, the ship sank, and they, they were lost. Horatio was devastated, got on a ship, crossed over the sea, and uh, right where the ship went down, about that place where the captain on the other ship he was on told him, this is, this is about the place, he sat down and he wrote this hymn that we sing today, a poem then, it is well with my soul. So I want you to just think about that. You're, he's there, imagine on that ship, the, the sea spray, the, the heavy heart. I mean, just overcome with grief, and he writes this incredible song. Why in that moment does he write this? In that moment, he writes Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, 
Let this blessed assurance take control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. And then wrote, My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. How is it that Horatio Spafford, in that moment, in that grief, could write about the forgiveness and mercy of God, that his sin had been forgiven? Well, others have said this. I didn't figure this out. That just before his three daughters had been put on that ship to go to England, they attended a revival service in which a man by the name of D.L. Moody was preaching. D.L. Moody was famous for saying, at the end of his messages, that the gift of forgiveness of God is free. The gift of the forgiveness of God is free, but it's not yours until you receive it. It's true about forgiveness, isn't it? Faith writers, faith, right? Forgiveness is available, but it's not automatic. They know this because that's what they learn in faith. And our faith writers will witness, they'll say, faith, faith. God, he gives you the faith to believe that you can be forgiven. It's available, A, but it's impossible unless you turn from your sin. You're not going to heaven. F-A-I-T-H. Moody would say it that way. He would say, the free gift of forgiveness is available, but it's not yours until you receive it. That night, before those girls got on that ship, they were at that service, and they all three on the same night gave their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. So how is it that Horatio could write that? Because he knew that their sin had been forgiven. These are my third and last point here, and this is this. Um, for, and, and I wish I could have said more. I wish, because there's a lot of questions about forgiveness that won't be answered in this message, but I want us to really feel and think about the love of God for us and His forgiveness, because forgiveness is costly. It is costly. However, unforgiveness will bankrupt you. I mean, it hurts to forgive. It costs a lot to forgive. You've got to let go of control over someone's life that you think that you have. But in that releasing of that control and releasing of that debt, you're free. It does cost. Verse, 20, uh, verse 32. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you of all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant and as I have had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Do you see how that unforgiveness is wicked? Unforgiveness is wicked. It's not okay. It's not normal for the believer. There are times when believers can be unforgiving. We can't stay that way. Only wicked people, unbelievers, can stay that way. If you are an unbeliever, you can stay in your wicked state and stay unforgiving, but believers don't have that right. You see, unforgiveness is senseless. It's senseless. How come you were forgiven so much, wouldn't forgive your fellow steward of a little bit? That doesn't make sense to me. Take this man and throw him into prison. Nor does my unforgiveness towards someone else make any sense at all in this universe. 
I had this passage down and I wasn't sure if I was going to share it because I had forgotten that Tim had it in his video, but I'm glad I left it in. Matthew 6, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us or are our debtors. If you forgive, Jesus said, others' trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. C.S. Lewis said about this, no part of this teaching, Jesus' teaching here is as clear. There is no exceptions to it. He does not say that we are to forgive other people's sins provided they are not too frightful or provided they are not extenuating circumstances or anything of the sort. We are to forgive them all, however spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated, even if we, excuse me, if we don't, we shall not be be forgiven of any of our own sins. So don't take this any further than Jesus meant it. If you are a believer, you will forgive. If you're an unbeliever, you will not. And if you're an unbeliever, your sins are not forgiven by God. You say, what do I do? Because I, I want to forgive, but I don't condone what they've done. It's not okay what they've done. Forgiveness is not condoning, nor is it saying that it's okay. Forgiveness is not releasing an injustice. It's releasing a person from the debt of the sin against you. In fact, sometimes mercy is what this man in this story did. Mercy is acting on behalf of the offended by justly bringing consequences on those who have done wrong. Mercy, though, mercy is extended to those who don't deserve it, and that's what forgiveness is. The wealth of this master is his merciful heart. He graciously and abundantly forgave, and so should we. We ought to because when we don't, we're disobedient to the Lord. When we don't, we end up in the unforgiveness jail behind bars of bitterness and cells of spite. All of us must forgive and from the heart. We may not always be able to complete the transformation or the transaction of forgiveness and reconciliation. There are times people don't want to hear it. There's times people don't want to receive it. There's times we can't even talk to them because why? They're already dead. But we in our heart can forgive. And when anyone comes to us in that moment to ask for forgiveness, if indeed they do, we've already forgiven. And now reconciliation can be made. Are you sure about that, Pastor? You remember when Jesus was on the cross and he was being crucified, he looked at his father and he prayed a prayer. And this was the prayer. Father, help me with this prayer if you know it. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The jeering crowd, the mocking people, the haters in Jesus' presence were there and Jesus prayed a prayer. Forgive them, Father. Were they forgiven? Well, no. But forgiveness was available. And available because Jesus was completing the work that needed to be done for our forgiveness on the cross when he gave himself and prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them, so that if anyone would receive the free gift of God that Jesus gave us, they could be saved. Forgiveness is available, and it was available to them. This is the way we are then to to live with others. We're to live like that, so that we're in our hearts already attitudinally forgiven them. If we can, because we have been forgiven. Someone said, we are most like animals when we kill. We are most like man when we judge. We are most like God when we forgive. I was reading the account of a Jewish man who had been in a 
Holocaust camp. He lost his mother, his father, his wife, and his children. And he said, if you lick my heart, it will kill you because it's full of poison. Contrast that with Corey Tim Boom. You know the story probably. Some of you know it better than I have. I've read the book a couple of times, but you know the story of how Corey Tim Boom was arrested with her sister and her family and put in a Jewish Holocaust camp, how that she was dehumanized, tortured, mistreated in every way, including the stripping of her clothes to be washed off by jeering, leering soldiers who made fun and mocked and did what they wanted. But when she got out of that Holocaust camp, she knew she had to forgive. God had forgiven her. She forgave. And in her heart, she forgave. She forgave every last one of them. She was speaking on the subject of forgiveness in a church. Some of you know the story. And while she was speaking on that subject of forgiveness, a man in the crowd was taking it to heart. And at the end of the at the time of her testimony, the man came up and said, it is true. And he held out his hand to Corey and said, God does forgive sin. And when Corey looked at the man, she knew exactly in that moment who he was. She knew his face. He was the man in charge of the showers, the one who had done her wrong so many times. And she, when she saw his face, could not lift up her hand, she said, but froze. And in that moment knew she had not truly forgiven everyone and prayed, God help me. And God did. She grabbed the hand of the man And in essence said, it is true. God forgives and I forgive. And in a service like this, we can think that, yeah, I have forgiven and my heart is to forgive, but there's someone maybe that God's brought up to your mind and you know, you didn't have to think about it long. They need forgiveness extended. How, How far? If they don't know that the hurt is there, then it's between you and the Lord. If it is something you need to go to them on, then it is to go to them to receive forgiveness, to not make the hurt worse, but to bring reconciliation. But you know, and none of us can forgive like this, except for the help of God. And we have it. Jesus would never have commanded us anything that he would not enable us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have helped us because, Lord, no doubt there are some here who've been hurt deeply and have not dealt with that, have denied it, stepped away from it, not thought about it. Others, on the other hand, rehearse it regularly and think about vindication. God, pray that you would help us all today to see fresh and anew what the cross means and what you've done for us to forgive us of all of our sins so that we would be the forgiving people, uh, that would be a testimony to this world, that would be a glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be honoring to you, obedient in every way, and free to live in joy and the peace of God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.